Amen. Holy, holy, holy. God is great. He is wonderful to us. His name is worthy to be praised. And we just thank him for that chance that he gives us to be in his house today. Let's lift up our hearts as we pray to the Lord. Lord, Father in heaven, we are thankful to be in your house today because, Lord, of all that you have done for us. And, Lord, I pray that at this time you would just send your spirit to open our hearts, to pour out your love and your glory upon us. Father, I pray you would anoint your word and cause me to speak just the words that you have prepared for us today. And just give us ears to hear, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Children's Church, that's right. Let's not forget. Kind of hate to see the little rug lights go. All right. Y'all remember Paul Harvey? Oh, yeah. The rest of the story, right? That aired from May of 1976. He had over 3,000 episodes. And he would tell these unique stories with a little gotcha on the end about three minutes long, they had a little twist on it. And I thought this kind of applied to where we have been focusing as a church. Last week, Chad brought us a message about we are on the brink of promise. And in Deuteronomy chapter 6, we saw that there were covenant blessings, and those blessings had terms associated with them and a basis for God's promises as the Israelites stood on the brink ready to go into the promised land. And again, that's kind of like where we are as we are preparing Hillside Baptist Church. We are ourselves standing on the brink. And this merger as we are coming together. So in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, I think this is what we could call the rest of the story. And I have the word rest in, in quotation marks because there is a story here, and it's about a place of rest. And in this scripture and in these events, there are two things. There is a, a great invitation that God has given us, and there is a dire warning. So let's look at the scripture, and we want to be looking in the, the book of Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. And uh, if you can and would like to stand, I invite you to do so for the reading of God's word from Hebrews chapter 4, beginning verse 1. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest, as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this passage he said, they shall not enter my rest. Since therefore it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter because of disobedience, again he appoints a certain day, today, saying, 
through David so long afterward in the words already quoted, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. May God add his blessing to his word, and you may be seated. So, the rest of the story. Verse 11 shows us there is an invitation. It says, let us strive to enter that rest. To enter is an invitation to come into a place like the Hebrews were looking at, one of peace, one of prosperity. But attached to it, there was also a timely warning, which is still applicable today. And in that warning... You can see it begins in verse 1. Let us fear lest any of you should seem to fail to reach it. And this warning tells us and points to sort of the great example of the Israelites failing in the wilderness. And that failing took place right after they had uh, started their wilderness journey. And they ran out of water. You can read about that in Exodus chapter 17. And it was a place known as Meribah or Masa, which means uh, a place of strife and contention. Psalm 95 is quoted here in our scripture we just read. It also talks about this. So as we stand on the brink, we want the rest of the story and to understand what this rest means. So first of all, the rest that is desired. We all want a rest. Think about it. After a long day of work, what do you want to do? Come home and mow the grass, right? Rest. Your mama's taking care of the babies. After a long day of, of fighting and struggling and taking care of those needs, you'd like to have a little rest. And we yearn for that kind of rest. It's a, an end of labor. And the Israelites certainly had been in some hard labor. They had been slaves and uh, carried burdens and had to hunt for straw. And all of these things, a bondage of slavery in Egypt. And now they were looking at a time of rest. And as Moses was preaching to the Israelites in Deuteronomy, giving them the warnings, inviting them that it is time to go into this place of rest, but warning them that there is a real danger that you might come short. And indeed, oftentimes they did fail. But we desire that rest. But before we can get 
to the promised land, the Israelites first have to get through that wilderness. Before we can get to our promised land, we have to go through a wilderness. We have to go through trials. So what is this rest for us? And I think as we look at our merger, we might be thinking, oh, man, I want this merger to be over so we can rest. So we've got to go through work first. Rest. So the big picture, if we look at these invitations, there's an invitation that Moses has given. And when in Psalm 95, that the writer in Hebrew quotes, David is still giving that invitation, right? And the writer of Hebrews is saying the invitation is open. It's a desired rest that we can enter into. And he says in verse 1, the promise of entering his rest still stands. So let's look at entering this spiritual rest. Because, you know, Jesus is to give a rest, as the scripture Chad read to us this morning in Matthew 11 and 28. Come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, I will give you rest. And we want Jesus to give us that spiritual rest. Because the people were burdened with sins. They were carrying burdens worse than what the Israelites carried in Egypt. That burden of sin, the burden of trying to satisfy God's righteousness with the futility of just working their way to heaven because you can't do that. That is a burden you can't carry. So the rest we desire is one that Jesus gives. The rest we desire is to enter into the promised land, to be in the place of promise. The rest we desire is to rest in Christ and trust in him. So that's the rest desired. Now let's look at the rest defined. What is it? What do we mean when we talk about rest? Sometimes we think of rest as in ceasing all activity, like on a tombstone, rest in peace. And some churches you go into have taken that very literally. It is like a graveyard. But that's not the rest that God's talking about. Because think about the example given. Think about creation. He talks about the Sabbath rest. Over a period of six days, God formed, he created the heavens and the earth. He hung the galaxies in the sky. He made plants and animals. Lastly, he made man from the dust of the earth. And then it says God rested. Did God rest because he was tired? That's not what the rest means. God didn't get it all going and then turn it off. God said, well, I'm done making this. Click, we're done. That's not rest. You see, when God was done with creation, it was just beginning. It was set up. It was ready to go. But God rested because the work was complete. And now it was time just to enjoy and enter into that that he had created. Likewise, the Israelites coming into Egypt, out of Egypt rather, into the promised land, that wasn't going to be the end. 
That was going to be the beginning, but it was a place of rest from the standpoint of we have placed our burdens down. We have gotten rid of the bondage of slavery. And now we're coming to a land of milk and honey, a place of rest, even though there's work to get there. You see, it is a beginning. And as we talk about our merging together and bringing about Hillside Church that God has has helped us and he's brought us this far, we're going to a place of rest, but it is the beginning of work. But yet it is rest from the standpoint of we're trusting in God. Just like you come home after your long day of work, you want to rest, that doesn't mean you quit breathing. You still, you want to kick back, you want to enjoy life. And we want to enjoy the new life that God is bringing to us. And we want to enjoy the place of being the church that he wants us to be. That's the rest of the story. You know what makes this possible as we talk about defining rest and that wonderful scripture that Jesus says he'll give us rest and about being finished with something. You know, to me, some of the most wonderful words that come to us in the Bible is when Jesus was on that old rugged cross and he cried out, it is finished. Was Jesus giving up in despair? Was Jesus saying, oh, I'm done for, I'm finished? No, this was a cry of absolute victory. This was Jesus saying, I have done the work my Father has given me. I have laid down my life, the perfect sacrifice. I have shed my blood. It is finished. There is nothing else that needs to be added on to it. There's nothing else that needs to be done from my point. God says, I have made it so that you can come and receive rest. Are you tired this morning of carrying those burdens that belong in Egypt? Are you tired of trying to justify and approve yourself and think that somehow if you work a little longer, if you slave a little bit more, that you'll find yourself worthy in the eyes of God? No. Come unto me, Jesus says, and I'll give you rest because it is a gift. That's the rest of the story. It's something he wants to give us. And it is a destination that we see, a blessed destination. And we look and we can see it ahead of us. Enter into the rest. And we look. And we see, you know, God's promises are really great. The rest we desire, that place of being dependent upon God, of being in his will, that's the promised land. My cat was acting up the other day and I threatened to send him to the promised land. <laughs> and we think of the promised land as the hereafter, right? But the promised land is the here and now if we live in, in Jesus. Think about it. 
Eternal life. We often think eternal life is after you die. Eternal life is not after you die, folks. Eternal life begins the moment you enter a relationship with Jesus Christ and begin to know him because Jesus said eternal life is to know me and to know the Father. Eternal life, folks. We can start enjoying that right now. Why do you want to wait? Why do you want to carry the burden of sin when Jesus says, if you come to me, I will give you rest. And that's the rest that he gives. The rest of the story is that we depend on Jesus. We trust and we look to him. The Lord is not still creating the earth, is he? That's done. The Lord isn't still out there making stars and creating animals, all of that has been accomplished. All of that has been has brought to fruition. It's finished. And you know, after the Lord looked back on His work and His creation, He said what? It is very good. Can we agree with that this morning? It is very good. Because God finished it. And when the Lord finishes something, it's not like some halfway job that you got to go and get touched up again no it is finished when jesus on the cross said it is finished there's no touch-up required all that remains is for us to come to christ in faith confessing our sins believing in him and as we look to our church's future it's that same dependence on jesus christ that same rest on Him while we're working away that will get us through. So there is a rest that we desire. There is a rest that we define by, in a spiritual sense, is coming to a place of dependence and trust in Jesus and Him. But we need to keep thinking. Because you know what? Rest is not... You know, if your idea of heaven is you're going to be sitting up there on a the cloud polishing your halo, strumming your, strumming your harp. I guess Rosia, Rosia have a bass harp, I guess. But that's not it. You know, church, what I believe that, that's going to surprise many people is that when we get to heaven, we're going to be busy. I think God's got work for us to do up there. Sure, I believe we'll be able to enjoy all the wonders of heaven and I believe we'll be able to talk to Jesus. And I, but I also think that he's going to keep us doing things, productive things. Remember, he told the uh, 12 apostles they would be judging the tribes of Israel. Who knows what we'll be doing? Our place of rest is that place where by faith we forge ahead, we overcome the obstacles, and we inhabit the promised land of the promises of God. Verse 10 tells us something important. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. In other words, we quit trying to work our way into heaven. We quit depending upon our goodness, depending upon our self-sufficiency, and we're looking to God. So we talk about our 
hillside activities and going forward. It's not murder done. Now we're going to rest in peace and slowly die as we continue doing the same thing we always did, God forbid. But it is a place where, you know, uh, uh, Chad mentioned that scripture when he was talking from Deuteronomy that he brought us out to bring us in. You know, do you ever wonder how wonderful that is that God didn't just bring him out in the wilderness and say, here y'all are. Off you go. There is an end destination for us. The last point is a warning that we must mention and that is a rest denied. In other words, there are some who will not make it in. Verse 7, looking back to uh, Psalm 95, quoting from there. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall it by the same sort of disobedience. So as the saying goes, something we need to remember, fear and doubt will keep you out. Think about it. Look back in chapter 3 of Hebrews. It talks about how God got so fed up with those Israelites and that they were condemned to 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And he said, and with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. And in that crowd who came out of Egypt, the Bible says it was a mixed multitude. You had some who believed, some who were really looking for the promise. And then you had some who were just there for the ride. And we see that time and time again. Look at the crowds who followed Jesus. Some were sincere. Some needed healing. Some wanted to hear his teaching. Some came to mock him. Some were just there because it was the newest show in town. A crowd. Rubberneckers and curiosity seekers. And the same with the Israelites. They walked with the other Hebrews. They crossed the Red Sea that was made into dry land. They saw God bring forth water from the rock. They ate of the manna. They followed the cloud and the fire. But yet, in their heart was the spirit of disobedience. And you know what? There is an accountability for us because we have seen the wonders of God. And there is a time of reckoning because we have heard the word of God. And that is the problem, church, because if you hear the word of God, you are accountable for that word. You might forget it, but God knows you've heard the word. And since you have heard it, 
you must respond to it. You are accountable to it. And the writer of Hebrews reminds them of that in verse 2. For good news, the gospel, came to us just as to them, but the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with those who listened. The word was there. They didn't listen to it. And so sad. I think of when our Lord walked this earth. Would you not have loved to sit on the hillside and listen to the Sermon on the Mount? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be just the most wonderful thing? To hear the words of Christ. But so many were there who heard and ignored. And you think, well, well, maybe, maybe if we get a miracle. People love miracles. Miracles are flashy, right? Well, what greater miracles could there be than what Jesus showed? And yet they still doubted. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus calmed the waves of the sea. He gave sight to the blind. He even raised the dead, folks. Lazarus is dead in the tomb for three days. And Jesus told them to roll that stone away. And he said, Lazarus, come out. Because if he hadn't said Lazarus, I think the cemetery would have all turned out. <laughs> but it was just, oh, Lazarus, oh, that's just for me, y'all. And he came out. And you know what the Pharisees and the religious rulers did and said when they saw that miracle? And they were plotting later. And they were like, oh man, we got to get rid of Jesus. We got to, we got to do away with him. And Lazarus, we got to do away with him too. Because everybody's believing on him because of that. What kind of cynicism, what kind of hardness of heart has there to be that you could see the dead be raised and still deny it. It was Meribah. It was Massa all over again. It said the Israelites challenged God. God, are you going to give us water or not? You know, it'd be better for us if we were back in Egypt. And you have that crowd today. They want to go back to slavery because for some reason they can't understand that being free in Christ, being set free by the Son of Man who said, if I set you free, you're free indeed. They'd rather have to change the sin. Makes no sense. But their rest will be denied. Because there's accountability. And God said, they're not going to enter into my rest. Well, there's an invitation attached to the scripture today. And I think it's very important. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That's for us, church. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. The time frame is today. 
The when is now. Therefore, verse 1, while the promise of entering his rest still stands. And that time is open to us. If you've heard his voice, don't harden your heart. We have to move forward. We have to believe. We have to respond. Because the promise of entering his rest still stands. Whenever I think of the time frame, I can't help but think of good old Noah. Think about what rest was like for Noah. He certainly didn't have rest while he was slaving away building a boat on dry land, gathering food and all the animals and all that he had to do and his preaching and everything, right? But his time of rest came. He's depending and trusting in God. His time of rest came when he walked up that plank and he looked around. All the animals are inside, right? There's nothing left to do. And then he sees a storm cloud begin to form. And the raindrops begin to fall. He's entered into his rest. But now the time is over. And remember, the Bible says, who shut the door of the ark? The hand of God. And one day, church, there's going to come a time when the promise of entering his rest will no longer be applicable because it will be no more time. If God is calling you or dealing with you this morning, please don't harden your heart. We have a, a blessed rest that only Jesus can give. We have an opportunity, an exciting time ahead of us if we'll just go forward and depend on Him. So however He has called you today, please respond as we pray. Lord, Father in heaven, we thank you, Father, for this time of invitation. And Lord, I just pray that you would move those who need to be moved. And, and Lord, in all of our hearts, that you would just give us a sense that we're depending on you and trusting in you. And we thank you, Lord. And we want that blessed rest that Christ has promised. We want to be in that place and be trusting and, and believing and following in you. We thank you, Lord, because you are so good to us. In Jesus' name, amen.